Hi, Matt. Um, good to see you again. It's uh, Simon Clark, CEO of American Lithium. Just uh, giving an update on on the company. As you know, uh, we have assets now in uh, in Nevada and Peru, uh, both on the lithium side. We also have a large uranium project in Peru. Uh, both uh, great jurisdictions. Nevada ranked by many as the best mining jurisdiction on the planet, and Peru, obviously, amazing geological um, area, uh, and and very pro mining historically. Um, so here to give you an update. Brilliant. Good to see you, Simon. Are you well? Are you safe? We're well. We're safe. Uh, things are opening up here, uh, which uh, seems a big relief. And I've I've actually booked my my first uh, travel in uh, in in uh, in about eighteen months. So I actually on Sunday flying down to Nevada to go down on site and uh, and have some some key meetings down there and. I've actually booked a trip to London even for, uh, for, for November. So hoping, it, hoping that Canada might be off the amber list by then. But um, yeah, things are good. We're safe and uh, things are getting better. Good, good, good. Was that Minds and Money or one-to-one? One one? Uh, one-to-one. One-to-one. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Good. Well, I wanted to catch up with you. It's been a while. Uh, I want to see what this, after the excitement of the merger, you're now in the post-merger world um, where you've got to get down and actually um, start making things uh, work. So um, if you don't mind, can we start with Peru? A lot of rumblings there. It's election year. They can't even decide on uh, who, who, who the winner could be. We've got Pedro and Coco. So what's happening? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a cra- it's crazy time. Um, you know, we will... We will work with whoever ends up winning. Um, I mean, it literally was a knife edge. It's about 40,000 votes separating them. So I think you've had both sides claim, you know, the other side was up to no good. Uh, as, as yet, they've had a number of uh, areas where I think they've done recounts on um, and the Electoral College or their equivalent has yet to come out and announce who the winner is. So. I think, you know, uncertainty is a tough time. And I think that's probably the biggest issue in the short term. But, um, you know, as soon as they sort things out, our, our understanding and our intel in country is, you know, we will obviously work with whichever side gets in. Um, both of them have plans on the mining side. We continue to really focus on our community relationships down there. Um, we have a large drill program planned and ready to go, but we will obviously, we're not going to mobilize until there's sort of clarity on who is in charge, et cetera. Um, but in the short term, we continue to do bits and pieces of work and prepare ourselves to to get drilling as soon as things are a little clearer on the political front. Okay, so you're doing bits and pieces, but you're not committing uh, real money in Peru until you understand what's happening. So how long could this drag out for? You know, I mean, if they don't decide, if it's not clear who the winner is by, I think, the 28th of July, which is when the next president is due to be sworn in, they would have a, they'd have a fresh election. So that would be, I guess, the worst case in terms of confusion about timing, because you'd have to go through the process again. Hopefully, it would, there would be a more clear-cut winner. Um, but again, you know, for us, it's it's not a question of, of uh, you know not moving ahead, it's just a question of uh, of timing. It doesn't make sense to actually pull the trigger and mobilize whilst there's so much uncertainty in the country. But you know we are our people on the ground talk to both sides. We're ready to work with whoever comes into power. 
And as soon as there's clarity on that, we will be in a good position to, to move ahead. As I say, we've done the community side, we've got the drilling permits, um, you know, going through the, the, the processes in, in the interim, and we'll have those shortly. So we'll, we'll be ready to go when the dust settles and, and we know who the new president is. Okay. I mean, obviously, Coco quite clearly pro-mining. That's, that's the stance. You're saying Pedro, likewise, is someone you could work with. What, what does that mean? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I, you know, I mean, it's not for me to, to, to comment really on the politics of the country per se. Uh, I mean, but I think there was a lot of election rhetoric on both sides. Um, the reality is mining is a, is, a, is a critical piece of the Peruvian economy. And we've heard from both sides that they're not going to do anything that's going to impact that, if you like, that key element of their economy. Um, and, you know, our people on the ground, again, have spoken to both sides and they're both, they've both intimated they're keen to work with us and help us develop these projects into, you know, lithium production coming out of Peru and, and potentially on the uranium side as well. So, you know, we've had we've had good discussions with both sides. Um, it, it, you know, you have one group that's maybe more on the left and one that's more on the right. But ultimately, the way the Peruvian Parliament is, um, you, you really have to be more centrist to get um, policies and legislation through. And so, you know, that's our sense. They will move to the middle ground to get things done. And um, and again. They don't. Uh, they need the the mining revenue, especially at the community level, where we have extremely good relationships. So, you know, we, as I say, we will work with whoever um, becomes the president. It's just in the interim, you have a little bit of a of a volatile period while people are, are you know, trying to figure out who it is, and both sides are making various, you know, claims. Yeah, votes winning claims. Look, we we've spoken to people on the ground too, and since in terms of um, trying to understand what is, is going on. Um, it seems, yeah, a lot of political rhetoric, um, a lot of uncertainty. Markets don't like that. Um, but as far as we're, but well, from what we're hearing, it's going to be business as usual when everyone gets back um, to the business of running business. So look, um, okay, so, th- so, so that's that. I need to um, speak to you though about uh, share price. You've come off a bit. Obviously, everyone got excited back in February. All the lithium companies were running a bit. And then they've all, they all came off a bit, but you've kind of continued to do post merger. What's going on? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think I, I think what we saw. I mean, we, we knew when we picked up Plateau. Um, I mean, we we knew we were getting. I think I've mentioned before three really great assets. I mean, Falchani is a is a very unique lithium asset. Um, as you know, it's 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 already proved the ability to get to battery grade. It's large scale. It's high grade, um, hosted in a very pure form. It's an asset we're really excited about. And then you have the uranium side, currently the fifth largest undeveloped uranium project. And and one that we can make bigger and move, you know, likely into feasibility um, as, as we look to maximize value from those assets for shareholders. Um, and, then, and then the technical team, um, you know, which, is is first rate and we've really you know in the last couple of months working together we've really made some good strides with them getting involved in what we're doing in nevada um we've been able to use a lot of the technical technical guys not just lawrence and ted at the high end but the team they have in peru and they they have a laboratory they used um 
locally uh, with, with very good relationships into that did a lot of the work at Solchani. And we've been able to send samples down there and lots of good work going on. So, you know, it's been it's it's been an exciting time. It has been an exciting time, but it doesn't answer the question. The shares are still oh, still yeah. coming off. <laughs> What's happening? Yes, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I kind of got on a tangent there yet. So, I mean, I think we knew we were picking up great assets. Uh, we also knew there was a tired shareholder base. As you know, um, Plateau had some legal challenges on some of their concessions. You had the fall in the lithium price over the last couple of years, and you ended up with a, 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 a base that was was pretty tired. And I think what you've seen is some of those people seeing the merger as an opportunity to you know, get off their position. And uh, we've seen some selling pressure from that. I think we're largely through it. But I mean, you also saw last week, our stock price rallied nicely. There was, we had a couple of very strong pieces of news on the Nevada side and lots of, uh, l lots of uh, um, publicity as well about critical minerals in the States and latest initiatives from Biden and all that was positive. And so the stock price moved up back over $2. And then I think you saw, again, a little bit of the selling pressure coming through for people who, um, you know, uh, were happy to take take some off the table and, and probably more on the plateau side still. But the intelligence we've had is that we think we're pretty much through most of that sort of tired stock and we'll get that overhang out the way and continue to come out with good news flow. And I think uh, we'll see we'll see things move the right direction. Okay, so a, a little bit more stock to chew through, but you, you think you're at the end of, end of that. Um, okay, well, let's talk about some of that news coming out of Nevada. I guess the, the, the joy of having multi-jurisdictional assets, um, whilst Peru is sorting itself out, you can focus on, on Nevada. So what is the news from Nevada? I, I, I think the key thing that's been happening in the US is you've seen this, um, I've seen some great articles. I mean, one recently called The Inconvenient Truth really caught my eye. Um, and you have this you have this issue where you have a obviously a democratic party in power. There's you know a lot of environmentalists follow them. Um, historically, you've had uh, a lot of environmental opposition to mining in the US, despite the fact that states like Nevada are fantastic jurisdictions to work in. The tricky part's always getting permitted and up and running. Once you're up and running, these are great jurisdictions. Um, so you've got this kind of real pull, this dichotomy where um, you have the environmentalists and, you know, most of the democratic side of things really pushing the, the green agenda and the move to electric vehicles and, and a new, uh, you know, new economy on the uh, energy generation side. Um, but uh, then you also have this 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 harsh fact that if you're going to do that, you've got to have mining, and you can't continue to rely on China. Um, you know, con China controls the, uh, the, the the refined products for batteries, and indeed a lot of the end products. So you know, it's uh, very interesting seeing the political debate going on because you have all this real push to develop domestic critical minerals and a huge focus on lithium. And then you have this sort of, but what about the environment side of it? Now on, on the mining side, you know, we're okay with that because we know that as we move forward, we've got to be as environmentally sensitive as possible. You've got to put the best practices in place. And 
we've we've been committed to doing that from from day one. So it's been an interesting debate. Um, I think it's switched back very much to. Yes, we understand the environment, but we've got to get critical minerals going. And that's very much been, you know, you've seen this 100-day review launched by the White House on critical mineral supply and the need to get that going. So, you know, I think if you distill it down, Matt, um, there's a huge push to support critical minerals development, but it's got to be done on a sustainable basis with environmental best practices. So that really positions us well in Nevada because... You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to knock our competitors, but you have in the claystone world, you've got Lithium Americas that has a project that is permitted to mine. And yet you've now got a lot of the players at the state level saying they didn't do proper environmental reviews. There's huge issues with native grasses and species and, you know, having to ship goods through the local towns and stuff like that that were never dealt with when the permit was granted. So, they're facing some legal challenges and some backlash. And then you've got, you know, Ionia, Rhyolite Ridge having similar problems. Um, so the nice thing we have at TLC is TLC is in that, you, you know, those projects are up against the Oregon border where, it, it, you know, it's a, a, a different a, a, a different area. If you look at where TLC is, it's very arid. It's effectively in the desert. And, um we recognized early that we wanted to get our environmental work done to make sure we didn't have any showstoppers. And so, you know, last year we announced baseline studies on uh, on culture, environment, archaeology, and they all showed clearly that there are no endangered species or plants or archaeological issues in Nevada. So I think I think that really positions us nicely, and it's something that we've really started to you know, start to put our, our, our hand up more and say to the politicians and people, yes, okay, there's there's concerns about the environment, but we as a big claystone project in Nevada are, are in the, you know, we're in this position where our environmental work is done. We're committed to, you know, being as efficient with water as possible. We, we've secured water rights and we do that in a very, you know, responsible way. We we actually bought a nearby ranch, um, and we continue to run that ranch with local plants and and products. But we we have the water rights. You know, obviously, we will use whatever processes we can to minimize the amount of water that you will you will need. You'll be able to recycle some of it, but there always is some that's going to need to be used in the processes. Um, so we've had an eye on that early on, and. Um, you know, we've done our cultural studies and we've also early on brought in a firm from the UK, Enviro, who are experts in life cycle analysis. So as we finalize our flow sheet in Nevada, you know, we're not just looking obviously at the most efficient from an economics perspective. We're also looking at what flow sheet makes the most sense from an environmental perspective. So it, that's the background to it. I think that kind of message is one that we're really starting to push out to the politicians, uh, you know, to the communities. And uh, I think it positions us really well as this debate goes on. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to, you, mining's different these days. I, I imagine when you started, you, you, you didn't have to worry about things like this, but the funds are demanding it, investors are demanding it, and you've, yeah. you've got to behave a certain way. And I think things are, are tightening up and you, you've got to, You've got to go about your business in the right way. So it's kind of interesting listening to all of you CEOs start talking this language because certainly when I started, 
you know, funding funding you guys, there was no, there was there wasn't it wasn't an imperative. It was a kind of you know, you yeah. did, did, some people would just ride roughshod, and some people would, you know try to be good citizens. But um, these days, you don't get a choice, do you? Um, Right. Can we, we, which, okay, so it's all good. So you're good local citizens, you're doing things the right way, environmental studies, ESG, all of that good stuff that you've got to tick, right? It's a big tick box. But yeah. I'm interested in the economics. What has Lawrence and his team been able to do since coming on board or even before he came on board? Because I noticed a press release about 82% lithium extraction. Uh, is that good enough? Well, I mean, if you remember when we when we when we started the the work at at TLC, we did it with a um, pretty straightforward sulfuric acid leach, and that's when we discovered that um, uniquely uh, our claystone and all of them are different is very the lithium is very weakly bound. So we we're, we've been able to leach out the lithium in uh, in, t- in as quick as ten minutes, which is far faster than a lot of the other projects. It gives you a lot of upfront benefits in terms of um, the economic side of things and potentially in the, in the environmental side that you can leach so quickly. Um, but you know, as I've always said, as well as leaching out the lithium, you do leach out uh, you know other others. You each you have iron, aluminium, magnesium, things that you have to then take out through the flow sheet. Um, and we've taken that flow sheet to, you know, we've produced um, lithium carbonate, you know, not not yet a battery grade, but certainly technical grade using that flow sheet. So, you know, we continue to refine that process and we've had well over 90% recoveries on, on that approach. We've also had really good success at being able to pre-concentrate. So we've been able to take, you know, 12, 1300 PPM samples and upgrade those to 2200 which again is very very good from the economic perspective and flow sheet and ultimately how much acid you might have to use to recover your your lithium carbonate so the leaching side continues to be very positive and we continue to refine that and optimize it but with lawrence at the helm you know we've also tried other things we've as i said we've done a lot of good work at the labs in Peru that, that he has strong relationships with. And we've been able to do a lot of good stuff down there. So we've also looked at hydrochloric acid from a leach perspective. And we think ultimately that if you use that in a process, you can actually recycle a lot of the acid. So it ends up being better economically and, and, and from the environment. And so it's a really interesting route that we're also exploring. But the other big approach, which we have announced, as you mentioned, is roasting. So what you saw there at the 82% um, is, is, is very much initial work that we did. Um, and so, you know, the, the really nice thing about that process is that on our um, claystones, the roasting, you end up with very low impurities. So you don't end up with, uh, you know, having to deal in, in such a major way with things like magnesium, aluminium, and iron. Sorry to get too technical. Um, you know, a, a, again, the nice thing about TLC is there's no deleterious materials like mercury or arsenic or anything, but you still have, you still have things that you have to deal with. Um, and so roasting, it's early in the game, but it's really coming up fast as a potentially viable option um, you know, as a, as a flow sheet. So we're in this, and as I've always said to you, Matt, it's, it's not, it's not a binary question. I mean, we know we can produce lithium carbonate. 
It's what, how do we optimize it from a cost and an environmental perspective? And so right now we have, if you like, the leaching side and the roasting side, and they're running in parallel. And over the next two to three months, we anticipate being able to select the right one. And, and as part of that, as I mentioned, Minviro will run, um, you know, uh, look at the carbon footprint from the flow sheets, and that will be a big piece as well as cost in deciding, you know, which one we choose. Um, we've all we've already had uh, through the sulfuric acid. We've already shown on through the modeling that we can produce it at a at a pretty good price. Um, we think we can beat that further, and we're really interested to see where roasting can go. So, lots of work happening on that. Um, whilst we wait for our plan of operations to be, uh, you know, we've had it accepted by the BLM as complete. They also, because of all the environmental work we did up front, they haven't required us to do an in environmental impact study. They, they're fine with an environmental assessment, which it, all the pieces are there. So we expect to get formal approval from them over the next couple of months, uh, which will then allow us to, implement our bigger plan of operation you know likely starting in september okay so give, give me a sense of timing on this one you're going to two or three months and you build and make a decision about what route to go down but in terms of studies in terms of starting mm. to think about pilot plans in terms of starting to think about yeah. how do i finance all of the above and talk to the market about what the potential is what's happening now? yeah so so we've, I mean, we, we already have a, 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 a large amount of what we want for our, for our PA, preliminary economic assessment. The flow sheet is the final piece that we want to select. Now, we could have done a preliminary economic assessment with technical grade on leaching. Um, and, you know, we could have done that. We could have put it out. But our sense, and a lot of this is driven by Lawrence. If you look at the detail of the PAs that he did in Peru on Falchani, they're very robust. They get to battery grade. They get to battery grade at, you know, just over $4,000 a ton, which is very good from a cost perspective, um, you know, on an OPEX perspective. And so he wants to do the same thing in, in, um, in Nevada. Um, because if we have a robust PEA, it's in a very, it's a much smoother process to move that into feasibility and beyond. Um, so, you know, finish the met work or, or certainly decide which flow sheet we're going to adopt. Do more drilling September, you know, October time to high grade the resource uh, and expand it. There's big pieces of, uh, that we haven't actually drilled yet. In, in Nevada, you're only allowed to dis disturb five acres of land on your project without a, a plan of operation. So the plan of operations we have allows us to expand that, do more drilling, do more bulk sampling, you know, have a lay down area for a future piloting work. So that's a big piece in helping us move forward. So, so with the extra drilling, we will expand high grade the resource, we'll bring together the flow sheet, and then we will look to finalize the PEA. Likely, if everything runs really smoothly late this year, in, in the real world, there's usually a few bumps on the way. So I'd say it's more likely to be early 2022. Um, and then with a robust PA in hand, it allows us to then move into feasibility and start to look at um, implementing pilots. Uh, and again, both Falchani and, and, and TLC at that point will be in a position, we believe, to move um, pretty pretty quickly through the, the feasibility process. Okay, and you've got enough money to do that um, to get you through the yeah, end of have, PA, right? 
Yeah, we have 17 and a half million in the bank. Um, so we're, we, you know, we're in good shape. Um, uh, you know, as we move into feasibility, we'd probably look to to, to bolster the, the balance sheet further. I mean, obviously, these are these projects are all now getting to the advanced stage of development. And as you move through feasibility, you know, there's more cost involved and we'd, we'd likely look to, to strengthen the the um, the balance sheet at some point. And I, and I think in, 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 in tandem with that, Matt, you know, we are we are now on the path where we're, you know, we're committed to look at a uplisting in the U.S. I think it makes sense for us um, as a company, you know, with a big U.S. Uh, shareholder base, certainly on the retail side, um, and obviously with a key asset in the U.S. at a time of critical minerals, it just makes sense to do it. You probably saw Standard Lithium. I think went that route yesterday. I think they announced that, um, and it's it's something that we've been looking at for a while. And uh, w- 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 so we'll look at that. And I think raising more capital in tandem with that uh, with that will make sense at the right time. But we, we you know, we're not we're seventeen and a half million in the bank and the current share price. We're not interested in issuing more shares at a buck seventy or a buck eighty. Um, you, you know, I think uh, I think with the milestones and work we have, we'll. We can, uh, you know, there's going to be strong milestones and strong news flow that I think will will, will help t- help us with the timing on that. Yeah, I, I think that's what people are looking for, and I think it's a case of great expectations, right? You've got this Nevada asset. You, people are looking at this as an American company. I know you're on the TSX, but it, it's like an American project, and therefore you are going to have to think about that listing and you know timing that listing and. You know, and, and it probably is the best time to raise capital, but none of that's going to be possible without you kind of cracking this code, making it more economic and being able to talk to the market about the economics. This PA is really, really important for you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a key step. And as I said, we could have already done it. Um, but, you know, I think it's been the right choice to make sure that we we, you know, we make it as robust as possible. Again, you know, we know we can produce uh, lithium carbonate from from TLC at a, a you know, at what, at what would would be a reasonable price. But we we want to be, you know, we want to be in and around that four thousand dollars a ton and and better. And we also want to make sure we have a process that has the best environmental footprint because we're seeing from what's happening in the states that the projects that have that are the ones that are going to get, you know, we think there's a real opportunity coming um, where they will fast track permitting and, and the whole process side to get these projects into production. And, you know, we think TLC could actually be a great showcase for that because from a starting point, it doesn't have a lot of the environmental issues that some of the other projects do. Okay. Well, like Simon, like, uh, th- thanks for the update on, I wanted to focus on Nevada today. We, by the way, I'll point people to our previous conversation when Lawrence was involved, check the link below, where we do talk about what's going on in Peru. We talk about Makassani and uh, Falchani in great uh, detail. Um, lots of questions sent in on that with regards to uh, how each project is is going to be treated, spin-outs, transportation of uranium, um, drill work, etc. But we'll deal with that next time around. So if you, if you um, maybe come and join us in, in the next few weeks, and we'll talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, and I think political. You know, I think Peru. I think there will be clarity on Peru. You know, sooner rather than later from the government side of things. Um, 
The uranium transport is always a good question. I mean, it was, I believe, leg the, the right legislation was tabled in Parliament, but as you can imagine with COVID and then these elections, there's not been a lot you know, happening in the Parliament side of things. So you know, there certainly is a commitment in Peru to get that legislation in place. I mean, there's nothing to stop us mining it and processing it in, in Peru. It's just you have to get that transportation piece in, you know, at the, at the final end. So yeah. it's coming. Yeah, like I say, lots, yeah. lots and lots of, a couple of pages of questions, quite frankly, um, on, on Peru. But I think you're right at the beginning to say, let, let them get through the process. 28th, we'll know whether we're going to, they're going to go back to the polls or a decision has been made. Um, and uh, we, can, we can pick it up from there after that. So Sam, thanks very much for your time. Speak to you soon. Will do, Matt. Thanks very much.